Welcome to The Raj Project, a podcast covering no bullshit, 100% real, raw, and unfiltered rags to riches stories from amazing human beings around the world with emphasis on life, personal development, family tech, and marketing, of course. I'm your host, Ivan Tumulkov, and I have an amazing guest today by the name of Ashwin Jacob joining me on the show. Ashwin, welcome to the show. Ivan, thank you for having me on the show today. I'm excited to chat with you guys and give you guys the lowdown. Awesome, awesome. Before we start, to so you have a very powerful story, man, and uh, I just want to share with viewers and listeners a little bit about that before we actually dive into, you know, extrapolating it. But you know, you knew at a very young age that you know you were you were you were destined, you know, for for greater things. Uh, growing up, you knew that you were going to work five times harder than the average person to get half as much at 19 broke into the entertainment industry by 27 moved to LA with less than $500 in your pocket, a leaky air mattress and three months of rent paid less than a year. After moving West, you were working with fortune 500 companies such as NBC universal Disney BMW and Microsoft, some of the notable names uh, on your talent roster include a Hall of Fame and NFL wide receiver, Terrell Owens, Billboard Top 20 artist, Greg Gatsby, um, viral sensation, Jody Steele, uh, YouTuber, Dominic DeAngelis, and Gabby Hanna of the Gabby uh, Show. So, man, okay, before I go any further, you've got like a list of these accomplishments, but... Let's let's start all the way back up to when you were 19 years old. Why did you think that you had to work five times as hard to only get half as much? I think truthfully for me, my whole childhood experience was pretty much everyone in my life telling me that I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. also growing up first generation Indian in a community that is primarily black or Latino, and then to a primarily white community, and then to a top 10 business, top 20 business school was uh, tough because I was always the outsider. And being the outsider, things didn't flow the way that it flew flew for everyone else. Everyone else had someone that they could call that could help them with the things that they wanted. I had to figure out a lot of things on my own. So like, and it's also like when it came to life, Boston was a great place for a lot of things, but like in terms of race, I think it was a very, very tough thing for me being different than everyone else because I didn't fit into any of the major categories. So I was always this odd man out. I didn't belong in any of the situations. I was the only brown kid in a lot of situations and being wanting to be in entertainment, there weren't faces that really looked like me in roles doing anything that was like, cool. We were always just this typical asexualized nerd or convenience store worker, or maybe a doctor if we were lucky. And for me, like, you know, I didn't really like the sight of blood as a scientist, you know, uh, right. I didn't really want to be doing math problems. Uh, and unfortunately, if I competed in the, uh, the sporting contest of Indian people, which is the Scripps spelling bee competition, I would not do too well, my friend. <laughs> uh, so I just had to embrace what I was embrace that. I had to try harder and really right. get comfortable with the rejection and being put down and being told that I wasn't good enough. Uh, to really get comfortable with what business really is. That's what most businesses is getting yeah. told no. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting you talked about race because as an Eastern European, I can totally relate to that. And I think, you know, society and even our close one, uh, clo the people that are close to us, family and friends, you know, want us to do certain things. You know, they want us to live based on their expectations because, you know, they have a preconceived notion of how life and society is. And here you are, you're like, no, I don't want to do any of this traditional stuff. I don't want to do math problems. I don't want to do the spelling bee contest. I want to do something completely different. So how did this whole thing moving to, to L.A., getting into the entertainment space, like, like, did you just wake up one day and we're like, this will be cool to do? Or how did it all come about? So growing up as a kid, taking it even back further, is one yeah. I wanted to be in entertainment is uh, the only positive interaction I can remember from my childhood distinctly is I remembered I was sad a lot and like I couldn't connect because I didn't really understand some cultural things because my parents were, you know, first generation. So right. they weren't really comfortable speaking in English. So I learned a lot of English by watching TV. I watched TV and I talked back to the TV. The TV was my friend. Like that was my right. best friend. Uh, and in a lot of ways, when things went wrong in my life, I'd be watching a TV show and I'd be like, if I was there in California, yeah. my life would be better. I'd fit in better over there. That person could be my friend. And surprisingly enough, a lot of people that I saw on TV as a child, I ended up working with or I ended up like meeting. And like, yeah. it was very interesting that my lifestyle experiences at the top were much easier. And I think that's really the truth and disparities of wealth, right? Really yeah. poor people and really rich people operate in very similar ways. They, they yeah. find deals, they find opportunities, they figure things out on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, the middle class is how you work and you have stability. Uh, so by growing up with parents that started off very like you know humble beginnings, I learned that you had to figure out weird ways of making things work because that's what I saw in my communities. And then when I moved to a middle-class neighborhood, um, I saw people working all the time and I watched what, that's what my parents did. They, they worked all year yeah. and uh, they don't really get a break. And I watch other people close one deal and they don't work for three or four months. And I've been very fortunate enough to be able to live the latter lifestyle, which is I don't trade my hours for money. Most of the time I focus on larger projects. And when I do take gigs with larger companies, I focus on value driven campaigns, not just purely hours. Yeah, no, that's, that's a few really good things that you mentioned is just that, so growing up, it's interesting you said, you know, watching the TV, because I can relate to that. You know, I was that Bulgarian kid who didn't speak any English and, you know, you, you kind of paid attention to, I did pay attention to a lot of TV myself and kind of learn, you know, how to speak as well at 14 years old, 15 years old, you know, but then you mentioned something really key that I think a lot of entrepreneurs really need to pay stronger attention to is that if you don't value your time, someone else will value it for you. Yes. So, you know, what's your time worth? Like you say, you don't, you don't, you don't just trade hours, you know, you focus on the bigger picture. In fact, if there's one thing that I have personally learned is just that when you focus on those bigger campaigns, those bigger clients, they're lesser of a hassle. You know, they're the ones that give you more, you know, free will to where the ability to do what you do, they're not, they don't try to micromanage, if that makes sense. Well, what I think is actually really funny is uh, what you've said right there is a meme that I really love. $500 client. I don't know if you've seen this one. It says $500 client. Uh, this is a really big investment. I'm trusting you with my future, your future, and everything right. about my business. You, it's on you to deliver real meaningful results. 
uh, and you better get this done versus a $50,000 client payment right. has been sent. Thank you. And I think that is the big truth is everyone wants to spend the least amount of money and get the best possible result. And a big bulk of my business is in social media marketing and social media growth and consulting for businesses, right? Mm-hmm. As much as I am an expert and I'm very good at what I do to provide a guaranteed result, I need wiggle room to try out different techniques, right? Like yeah. there has to be a couple of techniques because right. I'm able to hit hundred percent every time with zero twists and turns, uh, I'm doing something very much so like that's tough. Uh, and I do provide guarantees a lot of times, but I make it so that my budget is large enough that I can try out enough high quality metrics that I can combine the traffic that I'm able to push so that there is some conversion, that I do have time to get the, the analytics. I'm not going to be like, hey, Ivan, tomorrow I'm going to change your whole social media presence because that's not real. If I can yeah. change it in 24 hours, I am not doing it the real or the right way. I'm doing it in a little bit of a superfluous way. Uh, and that can be the accurate solution depending on what you're looking for. But what I prefer on doing is like, hey, let's figure out what your content is. Let's figure out what you're working on. Let's figure out some of these things that you can do to engage your existing audience. And then when I give you cold traffic, how do you convert them into people that care about what is your story? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, you know, since the age of 19, you know, you've worked in a lot of different areas. I know that entertainment has been pretty heavy, but you know, let's talk about that, you know, the convergence of, you know, entertainment and technology. So I think we'd love to hear your thoughts on that and specifically entertainment as it pertains to, you know, Hollywood and, and actors specifically. And, Uh you know, cause those are the ones that you work with in different shows as well. Right. And really, you know, creating that convergence between that entertainment technology. So how did you, how did you start into that? And, and, you know, what are you, what are some of the recommendations, you know, that, that you can make for people that are in that space? So I always wanted to be Carson Daly on MTV's TRL. That was like my <laughs> dream job. And I was always told that there's no way you're going to be able to do it as an Indian guy, because you're not going to hit the yeah. white girl demographic of the Midwest and the South. And I kind of accepted that. So I was like, cool. The closest thing I can do is I can be on the side of managing the Carson Daly's or the entertainers of the world. I can't right. be the guy on screen myself. And, uh, Later on in my life, I said, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to make myself the face of my own bread. I'm yeah. going to grow my own socials. I'm going to figure out my own collabs. And uh, it's been fun doing that. But at the start of this, I was always wanting to do stuff in entertainment and TV. And social media was starting to get big right around the time I graduated from high school in 2006. Um, so I was one of the first people like in the first rounds of the early stages of Facebook let alone Instagram and Twitter and all those other yeah. platforms. Uh, so I grew up with those platforms because I was at the formative age that these things were getting started. Uh, and what I realized was progressively, we're going to these platforms for all of our information. And we're going for our personal communication on there. And eventually right. that's where we're going to consume our media from because there's so much daily active user growth. Uh, so when I was working at ICM, I realized that it'd take me years to move up in the traditional side of entertainment. But if I focused on taking traditional celebrities or athletes or rappers and putting them on social media and collaborating them with large social media influencers, taking the large social media influencers and giving them opportunities in the traditional world of entertainment, which is commercials and acting and some of the larger brand deals, I would be able to kind of effectively transmute my growth and make it much quicker because I'd be in a new space. I'd be able to get more notoriety and more exposure for myself. Uh, operating in that new landscape. So I ended up being the head of talent for a new company as opposed to taking a job in an existing company, focusing on the digital because 
I viewed social media and tech and phones as the next landscape of where we're consuming information. And uh, in 2022, it looks like the decisions that I made back in 2015 are right because people are watching Netflix on their phone. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many shows on Facebook and Twitter and all these social media platforms are getting into short form content. So I was very much so right about where entertainment was going, uh, which was, you know, leveraging what technology provides to hit people yeah. while they're on the go. No, you're absolutely right. You know, I think it's those early predictions, you know, and being an early adopter, because you were an early adopter to a lot of these platforms, like you talked about Facebook and, you know, Instagram and all the socials and the Netflix, people watching Netflix. In fact, speaking of Netflix, what's really crazy is that I, I think I just heard this last month is that they're pushing out several new movies like every month. I think he has gotten like they're kind of almost they're going to be I think they're going to become mainstream in a shorter period of time because I think a lot of it is about accessibility. You know, people can watch it on their phone. They can watch it on a smart TV. Now the, the selection is a lot more diverse also than traditional TV as well. I mean, there's so much, you know, what's really crazy about Netflix is that I was that guy who like when they first started, you know, so the story behind Netflix, you probably know this is, is that, you know, they offered Blockbuster back in the day to be bought out for like 20 million and Blockbuster like laughed at them. And they were like, you know, who's going to watch, you know, TV or who's going to watch shows on a smartphone or, or let alone DVDs, because that's how they started out with DVDs where you'd rent them via mail. And then a couple of years later, Blockbuster was out of business. And actually yeah. like, going that far back, like I used to like, checking out you know dvds from netflix to watch them at home and then returning them before they started the app and the streaming platform which like just widened their reach like crazy but you're absolutely right you know and i think anyone who does not fathom the importance of, of digital and social and how to embrace it and being an early adopter you know uh in businesses small businesses or even corporations we're seeing that they're slowly dying because they're unwilling to pivot you know to those next platforms so but you figured that out and you know you did it a lot sooner than most people you know especially around your age and that served you well that give you access right that give you access to people that give you access to Hollywood actors that give you experience then then you later utilize to connect you know with you know uh, these these influential people and even more so bring in more influencers to help grow their following right yep exactly and uh, a lot of it was trying things out to be yep. truthful a lot of it in the beginning stages was trying things out and Right now, I am considered an expert on like a lot of creatives and a lot of like techniques. But the thing I say as someone that is knowledgeable about this is it's purely by trying things out and purely by mm -hmm. comparing it because you have to constantly be evolving because I might find something that works today. But if I stop trying anything new out, I'm going to delay my future growth. So even though I know what's going to work, sometimes I will mm -hmm. still try out two or three other things because those two or three other things might become what works. You know, what's really crazy about what you said is you, you said the word experimentation, which I'm a mm -hmm. huge fan of, but you know, there's, and I think that's, that's where the differentiation is that your favorite man with the $500 client, I think comes into play is this that, you know, they have such, such huge expectations with such a small budget as opposed to that $50,000 client, right? Who knows that it's going to take time. You have to experiment. And even though some things are proven to work, 
you still need to continue to experiment. But I think there's a lot of clients out there that are afraid of experimentation because I think they, they look for guaranteed success. And that's easier to fathom than saying, well, I'm going to experiment with a budget to, you know, run some Facebook ads or some Instagram ads. And guess what? There's like no guarantee, but what we're doing is experimenting. So how do you handle those kinds of objections when a client says, wait, you're going to experiment with my budget? Like, wait, there's no guarantee here. How do you answer that? I split it down. I ask them what they need for their guaranteed results. And I split mm -hmm. it up into like, Hey, I can guarantee this at this rate, but I want this to be able to do some testing for more targeted things because the targeted is going to convert a little bit better. The other yeah. thing is going to be good for the perception of the brand. Yeah. And I get that that's what you want, but to, to figure out what converts the best, I need to try out different methods. I, it's not going to be an exact science because at the end of the day, it is very much so targets and checking out what works and like, that does cost money and it does cost a team to work on that and experiment right. with ad creatives. Uh, so that is a piece of it. And it's also just even influencer creatives, you know, it takes a level of like understanding to even close that deal to get the influencer, the talent to want to be a part of something. Uh, yeah, so I think it's really just explaining the qualms and then also being comfortable walking away from businesses. I think too many people are like scared of leaving something or starting over again or looking for someone new that they just agree to whatever it is that people ask them to do and then they don't really deliver the truth of it or they negate telling them that part yeah. of this might not work. Whereas what I try and do is I tell people like, hey, this is what I'm positive I can deliver on. Uh, and under most circumstances, I'll be able to deliver it on the time frame that's agreed upon. But I might communicate with you proactively saying, I don't know if this is going to work. And it still might work, but I just want to be comfortable telling you that, hey, this is what it is and this is what I'm going to try and do to fix the situation. Yeah, uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah. this is, we're, we're playing, you know, I, I'm like a stockbroker in a lot of ways. I'm making educated, like, you know, yeah, placements, yeah. but at the end of the day, there is no hundred, hundred percent guarantee. Yeah, no, that's really interesting that you said that. And, and I want to segue to, to the next topic that I wanted to hear your thoughts on is that I think, you know, the brands and the individuals that are going to sustain moving forward are the ones that are uh, okay with being experimental. And they understand that that's just an essential part. You know, there are some guarantees and things, but, you know, we've seen a lot of big businesses, especially like in the retail space that have, you know, died or are slowly dying because they're unwilling to embrace the power of digital and social. They're unwilling to pivot. They're unwilling to experiment. They're so dead set in their own ways, uh, the way they do things. And, uh, you know, we're slowly seeing them die. But one thing that I wanted to hear how this mixes with everything that you do is so you've built a personal brand. I know you mentioned this earlier on. You built a personal brand and it sounds like you started doing it, you know, in days when like most people are like, what the fuck is a personal brand and why do I need, need to invest in it? Let's talk about that is, you know, when did you determine that, okay, I need to focus on a personal brand and how did your personal brand play a factor into the success so personal branding was actually the term was even coined by dan schwabel he was a uh, student a year or two before me at bentley university he wrote the book me 2.0 uh and it was all about personal branding he was the first person to talk about personal branding so i've yeah. been 
at the forefront of personal branding when it was me.com, which is now remote.me, uh, which was one of the first websites that you could like create like a personal like website on like a LinkedIn type forum. And uh, I've always thought it was important to tell your story because every person you meet is a chance. It's an advertisement, essentially. You know, if you view things yeah. in terms of advertising your business, every person you meet is an advertisement for who you are, what you do. And every person that you meet is an ch- opportunity for you to showcase the value that you're able to bring to other people. So I try and give to others first. And as far as personal branding goes, a lot of people try and say that, that, that whatever's hot is what they do. So right now, crypto is hot. So most people in this space are a crypto expert overnight. And then when <laughs> crypto is not hot, I'm a Forex expert overnight. And then once Forex is done, I'm a social media agency expert overnight. Yeah. Uh, I've always stayed true to what it is that I do. So any business that I get involved in, it is something that I study for a period of time. It is something that I embrace or I get into. Uh, and I really get to understand. So like a couple of businesses that I'm involved in right now, and I'll be very honest with you, I was not a car guy. I don't, I don't know if you're a car guy, Ivan, are you? I am. I mean, I'm, I'm mainly an exotics car guy. <laughs> okay. So I got a Mercedes AMG down on my driveway right now. Okay. I bought an I-8. And I think uh, later this week, I'm probably going to take out a McLaren 570 GT or uh, the Lamborghini Evo. Uh, okay, which is okay. part of an exotic rental business that I've gotten involved with. And oh. I started, you know, getting one car and I'm debating getting a couple more cars with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you know what? In the beginning, this was purely done because I wanted to get into the real estate game. My goal was to get into real estate. Yeah, and yeah. Pull in passive income because so much of my business is based on consulting. I had my events business, which is focused on live event production, a lot of the traditional entertainment stuff and the big movie premiere budgets. Mm-hmm. They're gone because those aren't existing businesses. So I'm like, yeah. I need to get into things that are not necessarily as sexy, but that can provide consistent income. So I wanted to get into like trailer parks or residential real estate. Uh, but you need like consistent income, kind of a job for a lot of these mortgage companies to be able to prove you, especially in the state of California where houses are very expensive, much more so than an exotic car. Yeah. It'd be like if I bought four Lamborghinis to get a very average house uh, in California. Uh, so I met this person that knew something about cars. And then I said, hey, let's try one car out. And the car can pull me in a little less than a rent roll. And it will mm-hmm. have the same sort of expenditure. So that became my passive income play. And then when people started complimenting me on my shocker healing bracelets, because I was very stressed at the peak of my career and I've gotten very grounded. I go to church, I'm spiritual, and I believe yep. in like manifestation and intention. I think our brains are super powerful that if you look at something, even if it does not say that point blank what this is, if I look at my green bracelet for my heart chakra, it is also about prosperity and bringing more wealth into your life. And when you view things from that abundance mindset, I'm going to get it. So I was like, I'm going to start selling these crystals instead of telling people where I bought my crystals. I'm going to make my own. I'm going to make it a little bit better, have elements that I want to know for myself, put it on the site, do the research, work with my team, push it through social media influencers, talk to my friend that's an expert in Amazon shipping and on more warehouse logistics so that we have a better shipping experience because that's one of the biggest complaints that people have when they buy things online and bring in the right partners to do the right things and let them take lead with what they have and give them a better percentage because I'm not in the position to be able to pay them a full out salary like I would have a year and a half ago. Or the same yeah. thing with like the course that I'm creating. It's like I'm a subject matter in building relationships with nothing. I've done it before. I've done it again. And I've had ups and I've had downs and I've been able to maintain these relationships. It was not purely transaction. It was not about the money. It was not about the cool things that I had. It was about being able to deliver real value. And I wanted to share that with people, especially at a time that 
so many other people are going through pivots and they're not as well equipped as I was to go through a pivot. Yeah. And no, I wanted to make it super affordable and super convenient and take it to that very real level that you don't need to have that nice car to network. You need to have a good heart and want the yeah. best for the people that you meet. And you have to start at home with the people that you already have access to. Not that big person that you be on a screen. You start with the people in your own neighborhood yeah. and you will quicker get to that person that you want to get to by doing it that. So that you mentioned something there that I wanted to elaborate upon because it intertwines with my methodologies, not only in life, but also in business. Um, so you said have a good heart, you know, to, to have a strong sense of integrity. I'm very much like you. I'm spiritual, you know, as well. And, and I believe in the, in the importance of doing good and doing what's right and helping people, helping them grow, helping them solve problems and creating unique solutions to those problems, because let's face it, not everybody has the same problem. So you got to be able to create a unique solution for their unique problem. And something that you mentioned is having a good heart. So I was on Clubhouse a couple of weeks ago. And I get on stage, it was like a business coaching thing room. And there were a bunch of like nine figure earners in there, like these big ass coaches that charge ridiculous amount of money. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I'm going to get grilled, you know, run through the ringer. It's cool. You know, so I go in there and like, you know, give us your pitch. So, you know, I give my pitch, my pitch. I already knew my pitch sucked, you know, like I'm not a pitch person because that's not how I sell. I sell yeah. through education. I don't pitch. I sell by, by educating, cultivating relationships, very much like what you just said. I get grilled, literally everybody, like 10 of the moderators, nine figure earners. No, I wouldn't buy from you. I wouldn't buy from you. Like, cool. And then they gave me some feedback. So I took that. And then a couple of weeks later, I was on Instagram and I saw a post from Damon John and Damon John says, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable, tell your story, educate, cultivate relationships. That's how you're going to build an empire, basically. So now Damon John is telling me the polar opposite of what these guys said on Clubhouse. And I'm like, all right, I'm definitely on the right path. You know, I know what I'm doing. It's about building relationships, you know. So what's really interesting about you, what you said yeah. is the power of building a network. And this is where I'm segueing to and how you do it with, you know, no context and no budget, because, you know, you did that. You build an entire network around yourself and that gave you access to people that would pay you money for your expertise and knowledge. So let's share with listeners and viewers like, OK, you've got no network, you've got no context, you've got no budget, but you have huge, huge aspirations, huge goals and huge dreams. How so, did you go about that? Before I answer that, I want to touch on Clubhouse for a second. Yeah. I want to tell you something that is singularly the worst app I've ever been on in my life because of the people that are on there. These people yeah. are not nine-figure earners. These are not even seven-figure earners or six-figure earners. These are purely people with narcissistic tendencies putting down other people and acting like they are better than others for no reason, with yeah. zero justification, because purely they think that this is quote-unquote exclusive now. What I want you to do is go and look on what dates these people were added into Clubhouse. I guarantee you most of these quote-unquote entrepreneurs, nine-figure earners, were added in post-fucking late December or mid-December at best. Yeah. They're like January and February. They're new users to this platform that was primarily 
exclusive. But once they got on there, they perverted that system and it became less about what you can do or what you can yeah. show value on to putting other people down and spending all day talking about how awesome you are with zero value on how others can do it other than that they suck, they have no potential, and they're not going to be able to do it because they're shitty human. And I've had people reach out to me yeah. because I've been in clubhouse rooms for a couple of minutes and then afterward be unavailable to talk to me at, at no point over the next two to three weeks because they need to be on clubhouses at all these random hours throughout the day that their life is dominated by being on an app that is not consistently providing them with any income. And they're just hearing their own voice talk and how cool it is yeah. to see this one entrepreneur come to the room. But the person that is going to solve your problems is not the CEO of some company somewhere. It is someone that you can reach access to tomorrow is going to be the one that helps you solve your problem. It's not the CEO. It's not this hero figure that you look for. Yeah. Being in the Elon Musk room is not going to change your room, change your life. It is the people that you can come into contact with. Um, so you're talking about the zero budget to zero contact list. It is the opposite of Clubhouse. I talked to whoever I could. So I found whatever networking events I could. I talked to the people I could to get into places. I found out where agency assistants went. And I yeah. tried to find ways of bringing them value. So yes, you might have access to things in entertainment but I know people in nightlife or, you know, I'm very comfortable with like parties and I'm very comfortable yeah. with like being that guy friend that helps you meet new girls. And like, I might have access to some private events and I'd invite people to events and I'd figure out what I could get hold of that was easy for me that I could trade for access or the ability to be in the room. And a lot of my first encounters in the room, I was very uncomfortable. I didn't know what I had. Sure. And what I started doing was I realized that if I just asked people about what it is they want or what are they looking for or what are their big goals or what could help them, eventually I would meet, not, I would not need the person that could solve their problem, but I would meet somebody yeah. that could help them with their problem that they could help with some other problem. And I started just having like, you know, a better memory about what people did or what they wanted to do or what their core strengths were. And I started connecting people together. I became a super connector of sorts. And then when people talked about me, it was like, wow, he is such a great guy. He just put us in the same room together and he didn't want anything for it. And that put you me know, in a position to get wanted to get tied up. People wanted to tie me yeah. in because like he meets so many great people. If he's able to put us together, how many more great people could he bring in? And then they'd figure out, oh, Ashwin actually has great ideas for the strategy himself. So I didn't start off as an expert. I very much so want to tell people I did not start as an expert in a lot of fields. People brought me in and they gave me yeah. okay contracts. And I increased my contract value and the value I was able to bring. And I increased my own pay grade. You know, uh, something I want to talk about is because, you know, we both cross pollinate with marketing. I think this is a very, very snake oil space right now because, uh, and the reason I want to talk about this is just that you mentioned something that I really wholeheartedly believe in, and that's relationships and connectivity. And really, like you said, talk to people talking about clubhouse, which you know, I think everybody's so blindsided that, you know, Grant Cardone's on there. Elon Musk is on there. Like all these, you know, influential people are on there. And now like they're all trying to get access to them. But like you said, is they're not the ones that are going to solve your problems. You know, these guys, these guys got bigger problems, you know, to to solve. But a lot of people are misled. Now, you talked about relationships and connecting people. Right. And what's here's a prime example is I see a lot of people on my socials, like my Facebook profile and, and, or Instagram or LinkedIn even is that just straight up 100% cold hearted selling. Buy my course today, do this, this and this. 
when you look into deeper into these people profiles is like they spend very little or no time to relationship building. And so I've actually questioned that. And since you talked about it, you know, I wanted to bring this up because I think in the marketing space specifically is this too many people think marketing, right? Selling like how much some of my social service or my Facebook ads or website building or whatever, as opposed to how many new relationships can I build, establish likability, trust, and still give value, right? So it's like, it's reversed, right? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Because I think I would love to expand this a little bit yeah. more because we're talking about relationships, right? So I think um, I first realized that myself when I got onto the speaking circuit after I, you know, was fairly successful. I was like, I want to speak. Mm -hmm. I want to help people. And that became a big part of my focus prior to going into quarantine was I was speaking on a lot of these entrepreneur circuits and everyone would get on stage and say how awesome they are and how perfect they are and uh, how they're special and how other people can't and how other people are losers and, once you get the Lamborghini, you get the girls and then girls love you because you're rich and you're powerful and you're successful at business. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tommy. <laughs> girls do not love an e-com shipping wizard. They yeah. might like the, the lifestyle that you provide, but also are that the, is that the woman that you want in your life? Is someone that likes you for the financial things that you're able to provide? Is that a real partner for you, Tommy? No, that is not. Um, so I would start getting on stages and I tell people, listen, everyone on this stage, including myself, is full of shit about what we're talking about <laughs> because we're all just like you. We're ordinary yeah. people. The difference between ordinary people and extraordinary people is ordinary people view that there are people with extraordinary abilities that can accomplish greatness. Mm -hmm. Extraordinary people realize that everyone is ordinary and it's by extraordinary yeah. work ethic or perseverance or failure that you can achieve extraordinary things. Uh, and what I would do at the start of my conferences, I would do my like whole spiel, you know, 19, I got working with playboy mansion parties. I did these big accomplishments. I work X and Y celebrity. And, uh, I've done these parties for X and Y person. And yeah. I'd show all these cool photos. And then I'd put a photo of me and this random celebrity. And that's one of the celebrities that I did not work with. I just took a picture with at an event. And I'm like, this is just a picture of me with another event. So don't believe even pictures. Now, what I want you to do is instead of talking to me, a lot of you have been in the same seats, this whole conference. I yeah. want you to get up out of your seat, leave the person that you've been with, move to a different row and talk to someone that you have not talked to. And all I want you to do is share your name, where you are from, right. what it is that you're looking to do or what your business needs and what it is that you're able to provide to others. And I want you to do this rotation three times. And then at the end of this conference, come and find me and tell me if you found what you needed. So many people at the end of these conferences come and say that they spent the whole time prior to that trying to talk to the people on the stage when the person that they needed was sitting in the audience right next to them. Yep. You know, what's really crazy about what you said is that maybe this is why I was never a big fan of conferences is because you literally 99% of the conferences that when we, when we could go to conferences, mind you, is that you get up on there and you've got this influential speaker. And suddenly, like you said, they tell you how great they are, how much money they've made, the lifestyle that they live, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly people feel like so small and tiny to the point to where they feel that they're incapable of, of doing anything because they almost feel like overpowered when in reality of things is that's just a human being up there on stage, just like you, they just 
realize that, you know, they can be extraordinary, but they're really ordinary just like you. And I, but I think it's that communication, and I'm a big fan of this also, that communication that people receive, that need to receive, to start believing that, yes, you can. You can do it. I mean, at 19 years old, you were, most people are like, you know, 19 years old, you had nothing, right? No money, no resources, no nothing. But that's because you realize that you can be extraordinary. And that's when things started changing for you. That's when I stopped having that limiting belief. It was, I said, fuck you to this limiting belief. I said, fuck you to everybody that told me that my dreams were too hard to happen and that this was not realistic for me to be able to do. I said, you know what, if I'm going to be a loser, I'm going to be a loser on my own terms. I'm going to go after what it is that I want. And I think a lot of it is, is a lot of people think that you go from disliked to liked to loved. And at the bottom of that scale is hated, right? And I saw this in a video and it was very brilliantly explained, which is the default setting for most people you come into your life with is liked. Then it goes to hated and then loved and then back down to, you know, uh, disliked. Yeah. It's not linear. The difference between love and hate is very much closer than the difference between liked and loved. So yeah. you have to drive people to that level. You have to put yourself so out there. You have to share so many parts of your life that you shouldn't say. A lot of people tell me that I shouldn't share that I didn't have confidence in myself as a kid. But at the end of the day, that is what makes me relatable to other people. I want the person that's listening on this end to realize that I didn't believe in myself just as much as they might not believe in themselves. But if they can change it in their own mind, and one of the things that I'm working on too right now, by the way, is yeah. uh, after this later today, I'm recording a session of like, like one to three minute vignettes where I talk about little things that I've dealt with or thoughts or reflections throughout my day. And I've been meaning to do this for a little bit uh, yep. when I launched this program. But what the video I'm going to record today is how to get, uh, deal with your worst enemy. And for most people, their worst enemy is themselves. When they look at themselves in the mirror, the awful things that they say about themselves when they talk to themselves before they, when they wake up and before they go to bed. We can program our brands to say more positive things, to manifest more positivity into our life. We will all do so much better. And then by doing that, we will treat other people better. And I think if you just do that little things that are in your control, which is how you treat others, how you behave when things go wrong, how you take ownership, how you care for others in situations that you don't need to, you will do that much better in life. You know, so I want to, I want to rewind this for a second because this is so important that people don't understand. So you're you've, you're doing entertainment. You've met great people in Hollywood. You've done work with them, doing work with them. Uh, you're in the social space. You've built influence. You've built authority. But let's set that. As, I mean, you've got fancy cars in your driveway, you know, all of this stuff. Let's set that aside for a second. You just talked about vulnerability, transparency, putting yourself out there to really create relatability. So but a lot of people don't understand how like that's literally at the basic basis at the foundation before any of these materialistic things happen. Right. Do, do you know what I still drive every day? You know what I take girls on dates on? What's that guy in Los Angeles? I take my 2012 Toyota Camry. That's golden. With things <laughs> and scratches on it because that, that is, is awesome. my daily driver. Yeah. The, the I8 that I bought with this company is a, car that I put out for rentals. The other cars that I get access to, I'm using them for promotional content on my socials 
to drive more rentals and also to understand that business because I need to effectively convey a passion and love for cars to effectively pitch that to my audience. Because if I don't believe that, or if I'm unknowledgeable about how to take the roof down and I give you the car for the weekend, you come into LA and you rent it from me. You're like, Hey, Ashwin, how do I take the car down? I need to call three other people. You're like, this guy doesn't know a thing about cars. What is he doing? He's not a subject matter expert. And in a lot of ways, I'm not a subject matter expert, but knowing some of the basics and doing my best to learn about it allows right. me to effectively communicate to someone else that is going brand new into that situation. And I think uh, that is a really, I'm very fortunate to work with great people that think like that, you know, because their thought process should be like, Hey, how do I preserve my investment? How do I keep it to the least amount of miles? But yeah. they're like, no, we want you to know how to do this because you're working with us on this other car. And if you get an appreciation for it, you're going to want to do more of them you're going to trust us and I'm going to trust you. And I think it's that vice versa thing that a lot of people don't spend time doing in that business. That's the same thing with like, you know, logistics or with the teams. I want my teams to be able to talk to each other and know what each other does so that they know that this person's skill set is here. Or I don't know this. And I think that is one of the most powerful questions. If you don't know something, that's fine. We, we got amazing tools at our resources. Yep. You and I can both go onto uh, the supercomputer that is in our pockets called our iPhones or an Android and type in any question in the world onto this mystery machine, the real life genie, uh, unlike myself, is uh, Google, <laughs> and you'll get an answer. Yeah. No, that's just it, man. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Is this that I think that's the differentiation between, you know, ordinary and extraordinary people? Is this that, you know, if you think you, you were always meant to be ordinary and mediocre and, and that's what your life consists of, guess what? That's probably what you're going to manifest. If you, if you realize that, you know, you're an extraordinary, you've always been extraordinary, you were put on this earth for a reason, you were born, I think it's 400 trillion to one is like the odds of like being born or something along those lines. But you got to still discover that you got to pursue it. And I think now more than ever, especially with everything that's happening with COVID is like, a lot of people do have very limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And whether you're, you know, in marketing or social or or any industry or any any product that you sell is just a fundamental. It's the same. In fact, any any high earner that I have ever met specifically, they were like good human beings. They all talk about personal development and mindset and spirituality. And so, like suddenly, it's like okay, there's this constant here. Okay, this person is worth four hundred million. He's telling me how close he's to God. He tells me how big of a family man they are. He tells me about how much time they spent on personal development, uh, how much they spent on health and fitness, also in nutrition and all of that. And then you see it over like, you know, a multitude of people. So suddenly there's a trend, there's a constant, but that's what I think people don't realize, especially in the marketing space and social media is it's just that it really is about how you perceive things how you look at life, not as much as, okay, how many likes am I getting or how many shares or how many comments or who's following me, right? Because let's face it. I mean, you're in this space. You see this every day. I feel like it's fake. It's fake. It's not real happiness. Like, and I'm also guilty of this too. I I post lavish things. I post lavish experiences, but Mm -hmm. the truest moments that make me the happiest are the simplest moments, hanging out on a rooftop, watching a fire, watching the waves, being around people that love me. And people that I love spending time with. Uh, And I think a lot of people view this as like, you just need to work. You just need to work. You just need to grind. You need to be in these scenes. You need to do this. It cannot be your all dominating thing. Yes, you need to make that a priority in a lot of times in your life. 
but your family and other things that matter to yeah. you are so important and you cannot get that time back. And that is our most valuable resource is our time. Yeah. I, I love that 100%. And uh, I know that we can definitely keep chatting, but a couple of things that I wanted to, to ask you before we round off the episode is, I know you're working on a couple of things uh, this, uh, this year specifically, in, in March, I think you mentioned. Can you share a little bit about that? And then in closing, let people know, viewers, listeners, how can they find you? How can they connect with you out there in the digital str- stratosphere? Sure. Um, so I got three three to four things that I'm working on actively. So the two new things that are coming out that I have not been doing yet are the course I was telling you a little bit about before the mm-hmm. show, which is called the Star Studded Network. Uh, it's available on ashwithjacob.com under the tab called Work With Me. Um, and it's called the Star Studded Network. We're teaching people how to build relationships with zero contact list and zero budget. Uh, and I've discounted it from you know the high ticket offering that I was planning on doing prior to Corona to 247. We're going to start doing mm-hmm. a pre-sale in March. And one of the things that you mentioned is so many focused, so many people in the core space are focused on selling, but no, not focused on the value. Yeah. So I have the initial pillars and I have some of the videos uh, already in the process of being shot of what I know people are going to need to learn from my own methodology. But part of my methodology in creating the course is I am pre-selling the course for 30 days or 60 days possibly, so I can get more feedback from people about what it is that they want to learn. Because as much as I'm an expert in what I know I can teach in a process that works for me, there might be little questions that I might negate that I want to make sure I involve. So when people buy the course, I want their questions to be answered. And if it's a question that's occurring, reoccurring over and over, I can answer that into the actual course material in itself in the first round and not have to release that as bonus material later. Uh, So I think that's something really special about the methodology is I really care about my buyer and the consumer that's working with me to build better relationships, getting the value that they need, answering the questions that they need answered so that uh, they can get the most value out of this course. And if I can answer it once and help many people with that same information, that is so much better than doing it as a one-off additional consult for that person. And uh, that's my real goal with that course. Uh, Additional to that, I normally wear chakra healing bracelets. Uh, under the name of intention crystals. So regardless if you believe in the healing power of crystals, if I send you a crystal being like, Ivan, I want prosperity for you. Uh, and I want you to feel comfortable saying your truth. This is blue morganite. And every time you look at this, I want you to remember that you should always speak your truth. Regardless if you believe in the power of crystals or not, every time you look at that, that was the intention I had for you. Subconsciously, mm-hmm. your mind is going to trigger and you're going to be more comfortable saying what you want it to say. Uh, thirdly, I'm always doing social media growth and strategy consulting for businesses and individuals. So people can reach out to me through my website or my email or on Instagram. Uh, and my email address is Ashwin, A-S-H-W-I-N at new, N-E-W, Hollywood, mm-hmm. is B-I-Z. Um, my website is ashwinjacob.com, A-S-H-W-I-N-J-A-C-O-B.com. And my Instagram is at A-S-H-W-I-N-J-A-C-O-B. And if anyone comes to Los Angeles and wants to get behind the wheel of a beautiful exotic, uh, feel free to shoot me an email or a text message or a uh, DM on Instagram. And I'd love to, you know, expose you to the wonderful experience that is driving an exotic car in Los Angeles, California. Awesome. I might have to actually take you up for uh, on that offer right there. Cause that, I, I think I mentioned this earlier on is being an exotic automobile fan, but, um, 
This was an absolute pleasure, Ashwin. Absolute pleasure. Congratulations on all your success. And congratulations on fulfilling a lot of your goals and dreams, because I think a lot of people go through life just coasting and never actually, you know, pay stronger attention to that. And uh, I look forward to staying in touch with you out there in the digital stratosphere and watch, you know, your moves and things that you're going to be working on here in 2021. I love it. Thank you for having me on the show, Ivan. Uh, I, re I really hope that I brought some value to your audience. And if there's anything that anyone wants to reach out to, feel free to DM me. I, I love to talk to people and make sure that I bring any value.